Welcome to Liberty Station. I'm Bryce Eddy, and uh, we are working very hard here to be a threat to the Great Reset. Today, we have James Roguski joining us again. Make sure you go back and listen to that first episode. James was key in um, fighting back the WHO and their takeover of our sovereignty when it comes to uh, pandemic responses. We want to make sure uh, that we pay attention to what's happening, and James Roguski is one of those guys in the trenches looking at the things that are happening in great detail. The other thing we talked about on that show was the FDA and the approval that they were working on for for the vaccine in kids from six months old. So anyway, James is going to join us. They went ahead and passed that thing, and we're going to do a little post-mortem on it and and make sure that you understand how evil and nefarious it is. James, welcome to the show. I appreciate the time. Um, you know, there is so much to talk about. Um, where the heck do you want to start? Well, listen, I, you know, the, the reason I, I, uh, I got fired up and, you know, called you and said, hey, let's uh, let's get on and, and talk about this was I watched a newscast and they, you know, they, they had a, a you know, couple of the newscasters on. And then this uh, this woman who was uh, represented as the expert on vaccines and as the expert on the you know FDA and all of this stuff. And and I didn't catch exactly what her credentials were, but she was you know, she was clearly the panel expert and invited on to talk about this. And she said something to me that was stunning. She said, and, and I hope I get this exactly right, but she, she said basically, hey, you know, this is wonderful. We know that vaccines are safe for these kids, and we know this vaccine is safe for these kids, but we're still waiting on the data. And, and I thought that that was such a, you know, uh, you know, such a weird comment. And, uh, um, you know, it was like, the, you know, they're admitting the truth that they don't really know and they don't really have data. And at the same time, they don't really care. And, and so, you know, the lies are so many and so big that you can spend an awful lot of time um, nitpicking all of the little details. And, you know, that's what I do, right? You know, it's like, and so when I was watching the presentations this past week on Tuesday and Wednesday, especially the Wednesday one, they were on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast. And by 11 um, a.m. my time, they had taken a break for the public comment. And I had seen all of the you know, data that they were presenting um, come flying past me. And I, I realized you know, at the time I was taking screenshots at any time there was a new slide so I could have a record you know, just at handy with, with what I was doing. And I was so beside myself, I did something that I rarely do. I, I published an article in the middle of the meeting so that I could document that at that moment in time, I had seen enough to be able to know that there was fraud being committed. And so at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, I published an article and you know they proceeded to just completely ignore what was visible to all and you know, approve it you know, unanimously. And so here's what really set me off. And all of this is on my um, Substack, jamesrogusky.substack.com. And, and so they had presented a slide, which was one of the four main categories. There were two companies, um, Pfizer and Moderna, and each company had two age groups. So there were a total of four different ways that the data was being categorized. and. The, the one in question in particular was the Pfizer study on very, very young children. 
and it was um, from six months to 23 months. And what they had done was a sleight of hand where if you've ever purchased something like at a grocery store or hardware store, you get an itemized receipt, your eye goes to the bottom right to see the total, you know, the bottom line. What's the grand right. total on the bottom line, right? And so I'm looking at this um, PowerPoint slide in the FDA's presentation, not, not um, Pfizer's presentation, the FDA's presentation, because they, you know they're basically a, a cheerleader. A, a yeah, they're in the bag. Force. Yeah, they're and, in the bag you know, for them. They're they're part of the promotional team, you know, to present and and as they put it, you know, message properly. Okay. Well, what was on the bottom would lead one to believe the column was vaccine efficacy, and the number in the bottom right was seventy five point five. And I glanced at it and I said, Oh, I know that's not right, right? And I looked at the at the um, slide, and what they had done is they had itemized, you know, what happened after the first shot, what happened after the third, second shot, what happened after the third shot, and the total was actually on the top of these many different rows. Okay, and mm. so your eye goes to the bottom right, but I, I I knew because I had you know studied this stuff before. I, that's absolutely not right. What's going on here? And I realized that they had just flipped the thing upside down, okay? And so the first line was actually the total. And if you added up all of the different columns, you, you could see that 98 of the children, infants, in the injection group, in the treatment group, were diagnosed with COVID. And, and so that was just shy of 10%. And so, well, okay, it clearly is not preventing COVID whole bunch of kids got COVID, right? You add up the placebo group, you know, I think it was 56 or 58 children, you know, in the placebo group got diagnosed with COVID. And now the other data, you know, essentially said, well, you know, nobody in the study died. Um, in that particular age group, only one child was hospitalized and it was one in the um, treatment group, okay? So, you know, somebody wrote an interesting article you know, and it was actually about something else. It was about uh, myocarditis and so forth. And, and you know, they showed that we should start giving placebos to people because they worked better than the injection. And, you know, <laughs> if you look at the statistics, you, you could make an argument that the placebos were, you know, 100% effective against myocarditis, all right, compared, you know, compared right. to the injection. So the first part, you know, was just blatant head games, and it goes, you know, it was slide 31 of I don't know how many, you know, 50 or 60 slides. And, it goes and they, they kind of overwhelm, it. you know, when they do these things, they, they try to overwhelm people. They try to right. they try to make it it's fast as look at all this work we did. You know, they're trying to, you know, dazzle us with, you know, bull crap. Right. And, and so the end, the, the uptick or, or the uptake from that particular subset of what was being studied was that even by their ridiculous relative risk ratio numbers, which you know are, are, are fallacious in, in many ways, um, it was only fourteen percent effective or efficacious. Right. And you just go, you know, that's just not good enough. Now it's absolutely not safe because it put one shot in the hospital, right? And and so here's where this all really comes in. Um, and I actually dug this up this morning. I put it up on my site. 
Um, if anybody's familiar with archive.org or what they call the Wayback Machine, you know, you can go back to the CDC and, and see what they have on their website, you know, in the past. And so on September 1st of 2021, the definition of a vaccine, right? A product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity, okay? Well, what's the definition of immunity? It says, if you're immune to a disease, you can be exposed to it without becoming infected, okay? That's what people think a vaccine is. You, you get an injection, you get immunity, yeah. I've, I've talked to it. Yeah, I've, I've talked about uh, this game that they're playing because they're not just doing it with vaccines, but we witness them change in real time the definition of a vaccine in order to make their argument. But the so but the on, they, was, they've been doing that, that about. Yeah, they've been doing that uh, throughout our culture with all kinds of words. Uh, again, you know, it's it's this uh, I, I think this regular strategy uh, right out of 1984. And so on September 2nd of 2021, the definition of a vaccine changed. And it went from being something that would produce immunity um, to something that would merely stimulate the body's immune response. And what that does is it leads to this concept called immunobridging. And I am not gonna try to get into the craziness of, of all of that, but essentially what they did in these meetings is they said, ignore all of the data from the studies that we got. Don't pay any attention to whether or not this failed to prevent death because kids don't die, um, failed to prevent hospitalization because it actually caused hospitalization. Ignore the fact that it fails to prevent infection because kids who got the shot were actually 30% more likely to be diagnosed with COVID after their first shot than the placebo. Ignore all of that information. We don't wanna talk about that. We just wanna talk about whether or not injecting something into the kid's arms triggered an immune response. Well, you know, you could inject chicken soup into someone's arm and, and there's gonna be an immune response. And so their argument has shifted all the way from, you know, we're gonna to try to prevent disease, we're going to prevent infection, we're going to prevent death and, and hospitalization to, nah, forget about all that. We're going to trigger an immune response and that's good enough now for the FDA, right? Wow. And so in, in this particular one age group, they started out with almost 1,200 children. By the time they got to the third shot, they were only maintaining contact and tracking 277 out of that almost 1,200. So two-thirds of the kids, almost three-quarters, but two-thirds of the kids were just, you know, magically disappeared, right? And then when they went to this immune response, immunobridging, you know, theoretical um, idea, they actually only studied 80 children. And so they're basing their approval on, you know, injecting millions of infants, this is the Pfizer study, um, on, on a blood proxy, you know, measurement that clearly did not correlate to preventing infection, hospitalization, or death. Um, but that number was good enough for, um, for the FDA. And 
you know, based on 80 children having an immune response to an injection of some mRNA, they're going to inject the world. Now, it gets crazier even with Moderna. We've, we've been talking about Pfizer's number. Moderna's injection is a two-shot um, series. Pfizer's is three shots. And each shot in the Moderna series has over eight times as much mRNA, got 25 micrograms as opposed to Pfizer's three micrograms. It's got eight times as much, and they give the same size dose to five-year-olds as they give to six-month-old infant babies. Wow, that makes no sense. Making sense here is not what the FDA does. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Why, why am I even <laughs> saying that? And so the children in Moderna who got, in this age group, who got the um, injection as opposed to the placebo were 500% as likely to get a severe adverse event as the placebo group. And within the people who got the children who got the injection, on top of that 500%, the younger children were, I mean, just make sure I get this number correct, um, were another 294% as likely to get severe adverse events as the larger older children, okay? So, you know, I'm looking at it going, hey, this, this was also supposed to be a dosing study. It was supposed to be a phase two find the right dose, you know, um, Goldilocks, that's too hot, that's too cold, you know, that's too much, that's too little, that's just right. They're giving the same eight times the size dose to little baby infants as they're giving to five-year-olds. And so, you know, the numbers show um, 38% of those aged children um, had an adverse event that required medical, um, what's the word they use, attention, okay? And, and so my fear is that for convenience sake, parents are going to go, oh, the Moderna, it's only two shots. Let me go do Moderna. I won't have to go back to that third one. Even though Moderna is, is pushing real hard to get a whole new um, booster that, you know, they pretty much admitted that, hey, we're only asking for approval for two shots. But they know darn well that a couple of months after the second shot, things are going to tank and and the kids are going to, you know, they're going to say that children need a booster, right? Um, yeah. They're going to be overdosing these babies. And my fear is that, you know, mostly mothers, but parents are, are going to be rushing their kids to go either. It's going to go in two directions. They're either going to go, oh, well, it's convenient. I'll go to a pharmacy or I'll go to some, you know, pop-up clinic or something where they're focusing on doing injections. Um, you know, yeah. In 15 minutes that maybe they make you stay there and observe you, maybe the child won't have an instantaneous anaphylactic you know, response. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're good to go. But, you know, 99% of all the kids had some kind of adverse response. And, you know, fever is not nothing, right? You know, a 104-degree fever is something that may require, you know, medical attention. Well, and, and uh, I, I mean, at the, again, the... the I stopped saying that these things are unbelievable because of the world that we're in now. Um, but, you know, children had statistically 0% of any real 
bad reaction to COVID. You know, we weren't seeing kids being affected by this thing. I mean, and I saw it in my own household. You know, my my older daughters, you know, got a, you know, moderate cold. My youngest, you know, had a little sniffle and she was done and over it. Um, and, and we've, you know, we've seen that everywhere. And we saw that early on in this pandemic, quote unquote. We, we knew that. And I, I imagined that they would stop pushing this, you know, in my naivety of a year or two ago. I thought that they would stop pushing this towards kids. I thought that they would just, you know, pump the brakes on it and, okay, you know, we'll, we'll concentrate on the adults there. So this, this has got, uh, I mean, this is nefarious at all sorts of levels. Um, along those lines, you said something, I think, in our last podcast about, you know, how it's affecting even, you know, little girls in their, you know, their ovaries, right? Um, and and that, that blows me away uh, as to how evil this potentially is for these very young children. But I just read this study, and maybe you've seen it already, on sperm and, yeah, and semen in men. So it's actually affecting the reproduction of men as well. So, you know, this this only um, you know, if we were reading a, a, a you know science fiction novel, we would we would go, oh, okay, this is this is uh, you know designed to attack the fertility of human beings. Um, I mean, you know, you would make that conclusion, you know, very easily. Um, and you know, of course, we'll be labeled as conspiracy theorists if we say that. But we do know that. You know, guys like Bill Gates have went out there and, and said publicly that, you know, we could we could reduce population through the use of vaccines. So I don't know. You know, this is wild. You know, there are a handful of scientific laws. OK, but everything in science is a theory. OK, right. you have your best explanation of what's going on. And if nobody can poke a hole in it, it starts to get elevated. You know, it's a pretty substantial theory. And if nobody ever pokes a hole in it, you know, it becomes a scientific law. And, and so having a theory that explains what's going on, um, you know, that's how science is done. Now, the, the part that I was talking about where, you know, parents might be taking their children to a pop-up, you know, um, center or uh, a, a you know, pharmacy or something like that, that's bad enough. Because, you know, I have a question for people, and I may have asked it the last time we were here. Um, for anybody who has received an injection, one, two, three, or four, however many, uh, do you have the name and the email and the phone number of the person who jabbed you? Because that is the person who's legally obligated to submit any adverse reports um, to VAERS. And so if you wonder why VAERS is underreported, if, if a person was jabbed, and they don't, you know, they went to a, a pharmacy, right? If they don't know who to contact to say, hey, I'm, and you know, the person working in the pharmacy likely is not a, a medical doctor. Now, the flip side to that is some parents are going to schedule an appointment, you know, for a well child visit, well baby visit with their pediatrician. And, and they're gonna go to their doctor and have, a, you know, hopefully a discussion with their doctor. And, and possibly get the jab for their little baby. But then what is very likely to happen is they're gonna go, oh, well, you know, since you're here, we got all these other things we gotta poke, right? And, and they're gonna get this, that, and the other. And the documents from Pfizer and Moderna and the documents from the FDA and, you know, the uh, emergency authorization and the, the um, 
prescribing documents and the um, healthcare practitioner guides, they say we don't have any study whatsoever in terms of um, combining this with any other injection. Um, it's not so much necessarily that they interact as, as you know, they're both triggering an immune response. And if you trigger an immune response to one thing and then another and then another and then another, you know, at, at some point, the small infant body is just going to be on overload. And, yeah. you know, my concern is that, you know, I don't know what, which is worse, you know, taking your baby to a stranger and going to a pharmacy and getting shot and then coming home and, and not knowing where to turn. You know, what are you going to do then? Go to your doctor? Well, you're not going to get an appointment, right? You, you, boom, you're in the emergency room. And yeah. so parents need to be prepared. You know, I, I hope that little babies are super strong and they're able to withstand the onslaught of what's coming their way. But I also understand the reality. Um, the parents who rush to take their children to a, a pharmacy or wherever to, you know, hurry up and get this injection, they are generally not of the mindset where they're going to be able to comprehend that something just went horribly wrong. Well, a lot of these folks that are, that are um, I mean, there's people that are celebrating this right now you know, yay, okay, hey, we've got this for our kids now, and, and think it's the way out, and, you know, they're the same people who are continuing to, um, you know, walk around with their children masked while they are not. Um, so it's it's some sort of, you know, bizarre thing. I, I want to know where um, those thousand kids disappeared to in that study, um, because, if they eliminated those kids, you know, and we know the games that they've been playing with this whole thing and how they've been manipulating this. So, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be uh, a bridge too far for them to have eliminated kids that were having uh, poor reactions or, you know, weren't helping their study. I mean, you know, who knows? One thing I will clearly say, because I, I do my best to not speculate and I try to deal with facts at hand. Um, That's why I'm valid, speculating. It's a valid question um you know possibly um the parents just said no i don't want a third shot i'm out of here yeah you know i yeah. signed up and i'm sure I there's a bunch up. of those and and so but if if you were um an editor or a reviewer you know for a peer review process or a medical you know scientific journal right and and somebody showed up with their um results of their clinical trial and they started off by saying, yeah, you know, we started out with 1,200 kids and we did the first two shots, which is what we, you know, that's what we said we were going to do. And, you know, that didn't really work. And so we changed the protocol and now we're giving them a third shot. <clears throat> Boom, you're out the door right there. Okay. And and then you say, well, um, uh, well, we only had, you know, 277 out of 1,200 hang around, <clears throat> you know, canceled for that. Um, and, um, you know, when they got the first and the second and the third shot, if, if we added up all of the data, it was only 14% effective, but we want to ignore that data. We want to just take the people who hung around and what happened to them after they got the third shot, eh, you know, you're canceled for that. And then you go and you say, well, you know what, forget all of that because, you know, obviously that didn't work and, and, and those numbers are really not helping us out. Um, we're going to change the definition of what a vaccine is, and we're going to do a totally different, you know, something. We don't care about actual evidence. What we're going to do is this immunobridging, and we only have 80 kids, right? So out of that almost 1,200, the whole thing's based on 80 kids with a blood test 
that they created antibodies to a made-up um, injectable compound that triggers um, antibody production to something that's kind of sort of like the Wuhan strain, not the Omicron or the South Omicron or the BA1234567, whatever's going on now, right? Where they know and they actually showed that, you know, a couple of months after the second or third shot, the antibody production just goes down through the floor and disappears and it actually becomes negatively efficacious, okay? They stopped watching people and they reported this data um, on April 29th, okay? Well, it's almost June 29th, two months have gone by. Can, can I get a follow-up? Oh, no, sorry, you know, we unblinded it and all those people that were in the placebo group, they got the shot, so study's over. Well, the study was supposed to go till like 20, you know, late 2022 or 2023. They're, they're brutalizing the study protocols by unblinding it and, and just doing away with the control group, the placebo group, okay? It's just scientific fraud on any level that you could just imagine. Um, but the FDA just said, well, we have to focus on messaging and yeah. parents' choice. Well, the, the Moderna choice is let's give them eight times as much, have way more side effects, and oh yeah, um, for the slightly older kids in the teen group where you can compare it to Pfizer, the Moderna choice that they now approve is, well, you know, you will get a lot more uh, myocarditis from the Moderna shots. You know, we're, we're very much aware of that, but now you have a choice. You know, how is a more dangerous product a, a reasonable choice to yeah, give uh, and to I population? I think, you're, I think you're right, too, that a lot of people will see that, oh, it's only two shots. You know, there's going to be a, a bunch of people that will just go for that because they're going to think that that's, uh, that's less dangerous just based on that alone or, you know, more convenient to only get two rather than three. And, and you kind of have to... Um you, you know, you almost have to watch the whole eight-hour thing to hear the conversation, which is, well, you know, um, this is Moderna. Uh, well, you know, we're just asking for two shots, um, but we're coming at you with a third. So be aware that, you know, it's really three, but we're only going to ask for two. And the scary part, and, and this is something also that's going on, um, on Tuesday the 28th, there's going to be a very mysterious, at this point, FDA meeting. Um, they have almost no data about really what they're going to be talking about. And it, it seems like what they're going to be looking for could possibly be Moderna's, um, what they call a bivalent um, booster. Um, Moderna's been pushing this for the last two weeks that they're doing a mix of mRNA that has the Wuhan strain, which is what's been in all of the shots so far, but they're gonna add in different mRNA for Omicron or whatever it is they say it's gonna be. And so this bivalent or, or you know, two-part um, mixture, uh, they are trying to get it to the point where they have this ongoing approval without additional testing needed Let's take out the genetic sequence, put in a different genetic sequence, and oh, we don't have to do any more testing. Yeah, that, that paves the way for them to do all kinds of gene therapy protocols within these shots that we'll never really even know about. 
and it'll be under the auspices of, you know, oh, we're just making adjustments or tweaks, but, you know, based on, you know, changes in these viruses and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just allows them to, you know, put us on a subscription service and manipulate our bodies however they want. I mean, that's, that's, ha- have you, um, uh, you, Yuval Harari, um, I just saw uh, uh, it, it was floating around, I think, a couple of days ago um, in regards to a talk that he gave where he, uh, you know, and he's, for those of you that don't know, um, he's kind of a darling of the, the left and of the, you know, intellectual, uh, uh, you know, fake intellectual crowd. Uh, he's written a couple of books and he's an advisor to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. And so he's, he's highly celebrated. And he, and he did a two-minute talk, the theme of which was, what are we going to do with all the useless people? So he's talking about envisioning this world going forward that is laying out that, you know, so many people are going to be useless because all of our advancements are going to be so great that we're not, it's not going to be necessary to have as many people fulfilling roles in society. And his conclusion is it that it's, well, it'll be a combination of video games and drugs that will satisfy these useless people that, you know, we can essentially suppress them, you know, keep, keep them, you know, uh, uh, you know, put down and, you know, put away while all of us go and do the important things in the world. And, and I mean, it's a stunning video. I don't know if you saw it. Well, he's primarily, in my opinion, the designated person to say the quiet part out loud. Yeah, exactly. Okay? They're all, they, they all know this. That's what they're thinking. It's just that he says it and people hear, you know, it's not just them thinking. He, he's designated to be the one who just says the things that are happening out loud. And so uh, on, on one level, you know, it's a certain level of truth. That is what their plan is. And, you know, there's some sort of, there's some sort of interesting you know, part of the rules by which they play that, you know, they present all of the data during the FDA meetings, you know, eight hours long. If you sit there and you listen to it, you go, okay, um, that's really messed up and that's really messed up and that's really messed up. And then what Moderna did at the end of all of it is they, they didn't look at any of their data. They didn't look at the fact that it really didn't save any lives. It didn't you know, they didn't even check to see if it stopped hospitalization. Um, they barely, maybe on one portion of it, squeaked over 50% uh, efficacy, but three of the four other measurements were not over 50%, and that should have kicked them out right there. Um, all kinds of side effects, you know, more side effects with the little children. And they just said, no, 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 don't, don't worry about any of that. We've got immunobridging um, blood proxy testing and their benefit to risk analysis was a simulation. It was a model. They didn't actually use the data that they provided. They ran a model, they had a couple of charts, and I think like the benefit was, oh, well, we'll have 240 fewer hospitalizations, okay? (laughs) Per million injections, all right? So, you know, they're gonna have 240 hospitalizations due to the injections it's going to wipe out their benefit and risk immediately they didn't claim that they were going to save any lives in this younger age group um it was just well, yeah because nobody you know, died in that younger age group i mean statistically it, it was a non-event for children 
a non-event, a 0% risk. So in what world does something that has a, you know, 12 or 14% efficacy, uh, in what world is there uh, worth taking any kind of risk, manipulating, you know, genes or putting in some experimental jab into a six-month-old? There's, there, there's nothing about that makes of, sense. When you have a couple of billion dollars that you can spend on really bad acting and um, public service announcements and, you know, celebrities just repeating, oh, you know, there's something about the power of repetition that the programming overpowers the ability to handle facts and information. And I get yeah. that, you know, I deal in facts and facts move me. And when I see bad acting trying to lie to me, it makes me want to vomit, okay? But, you know, I don't watch TV. I don't um, do much on social media. Um, I spend my time actually looking at what, you know, what they're telling us, okay? These are, this is their information that they presented to the Vaccine Advisory Committee. And the Vaccine Advisory Committee just said, oh, well, that's all really nice. Let's talk about messaging. I mean, literally, the members of the Vaccine Advisory Committee didn't talk about science and data and clinical research results. They talked about messaging and choice. And, and you just go, well, the world's upside down. Okay, I get it. Um, they're all, they, they don't really care about science. Science is dead. This is the last nail in the coffin. Um, for anybody who cares about science, give me a phone call, you know, 310-619-3055. I'll be happy to discuss the facts with you. I put together a one-sheeter which gives everybody as much information as they would ever need to be able to realize that they should not give their consent to this. Okay? Yeah. I don't I don't like the phrase informed consent because it implies that if you get the information, you're going to give your consent. Okay? It, it should be informed non-consent because if you get this information, you are not going to give your consent for your child to be jabbed with this. What we're yeah. dealing with is uninformed consent because, you know, do the, you know, when, when you have an appointment for your um, well baby visit and you get a talk with the doctor, it's like, oh, you're here for the vax. Okay, boom, done. You know, on, on my latest article, which is um, pandemic of the vaccinated with two X's.com, there's a hundred videos of people who have told their story of their vaccine injury and people don't want to see that it's painful you know it's it's brutal but you you really have to honor the people who have taken you know because everybody who's vax injured was either coerced into getting it or they were they thought it was a great idea they went and they got yeah. vaccine vaccinated and and it's not easy for a person to say, man, you know, I, I thought this was a good idea. Look what happened, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, of the 100 videos that are there, you know, think of the 100,000 people who, you know, didn't bother to document their pain and suffering or they couldn't because they were dead, you know? And people don't want to know. And I, I realize that a lot of people don't want to know. And so I do the work that I do to get all this information to make it easier for people for the people who do want to know. And I'm, I'm guessing that that's your audience. Um, you know, people who don't have um, eight hours, you know, to watch a 
basically boring but yet infuriating um, vaccine advisory committee meeting. Um, you know, they want the cliff notes, they want the condensed version. And the short answer, it was as fraudulent as fraudulent could be. And for anyone to say otherwise, um, it's ridiculous. Well, listen, that's that's why we are so blessed by you. And I know how busy you are and how much you've got going on. And I know that you're, you know, making the rounds on these things. So I appreciate you being a, you know, a friend to us. Um, because we do need guys like, yeah, we do need guys like you to, you know, condense and, you know, and bring these things down or as, you know, Rob McCoy likes to say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf for the rest of us so we can reach them. Um, because it's, yeah, yeah, no, cause it's great. I mean, you, you know, uh, for me, I can't sit through a 15 minute meeting that's boring so for you to be doing that work i mean it's a slog was there anything else um you know uh, as we're you know winding up over the next 10 minutes or, or so here was there anything else that uh, stuck out to you in terms of just the mechanics of it uh or any other just real things that surprised you as you were listening um that that kind of blew you away the biggest thing is going to be repetitive because we talked about it. Um, it. It's just fundamental clinical study protocol. You define what you're what you're studying. You define what you're going to do. You do, you define the protocols of the study, and then you do it and you report on. It, okay. Well, what they did was it didn't work. So they extended it with the third shot, and then they tried to cook the numbers. It, it, it should have been back months ago. Hey, this didn't work. Close it down. Didn't work, right? Maybe run another study, but this one didn't work. Shut it down. Don't try to change it. That's when you realize, you know, it, it's like a fundamental structure of doing a clinical study. You do what you say you're going to do, and then you report it. You don't try to change it in the middle, change the parameters yeah. or whatever. So that's part or of it. Or, or yeah. hey, guys, come back to us with something that works, you know? Uh, I right. mean, that's the FDA should be, you know, no, this study doesn't work. No, this isn't working. No, this doesn't appear to be useful for children. You know, uh, see you guys next time, hopefully with a better product. So that's one of them. The, the other part of it is, yes, when you're doing a study, um, some people are going to drop off. You know, there's a certain fallout rate. Um People change their mind, and it's their right to do so, but not two-thirds of the children, okay? And that's just, you know, all right, well, where is the breakdown? You know, where are the stories? What are the stories behind those, you know, hundreds of children who started the study? Um, they were 30% more likely to be diagnosed with COVID after the first shot and then after the second shot, there wasn't much difference. There was a 14%, you know, maybe benefit. A bunch of children got COVID, even though they were in the treatment group. And, and so at the end of it, you went from almost 1,200 to 277. And then you want to say that, oh, we're only looking at what happened after seven days after their third shot. It's like, well, all of the kids who were going to get COVID already got it. And they they disappeared, right? It, it's yeah. just so unbelievably fraudulent. But, you know, we don't appear to have a mechanism where legal professionals look at that and go, ooh, you know, that's bad. We've got we've to sue somebody, 
you know, um, it, it, it's just left for the media to lie about it. And, you know, that is a crime again, right? You know, to, to take all of this data and say that it's safe and effective, well, it's only for emergency use. And, and so, you know, technically that hasn't been determined. We're still in the middle of the study, you know? So the lies and the fraud are just so unbelievable, you know, just amazing. Um, it does it does make actually watching these things interesting because it's infuriating, you know? Yeah. When, when you catch them lying, when you catch them manipulating, you know, turning things upside down and hiding stuff, uh, you know, I gotta say, um, they made it entertaining for me because they hmm. did provide the data that they had. And, you know, I just, I don't fall for the candy-coated, you know, sugar coating that they try to put on it. It makes me want to barf. And, and so when you can see the language manipulation, you know, changing the meaning of words and using modeling instead of actually using data, um, you know, it, it's infuriating. And, and so, um, you know, I, I just, I fear that parents are going to listen to the narrative. They're going to listen to the lies and little innocent children are going to be harmed. And, you know, that's what this shows. And I certainly hope that every little child that gets injected does well and comes out of this looking wonderful and healthy. But, you know, in my heart, I know that there's going to be some serious problems and, you know, parents who are anxious to get these shots, they are not emotionally ready to face, you know, the horror uh, that yeah. may befall the children. And, and so many, you know, so many of these. That as I can. Yeah. So, James, have you seen um, our current, one of our current political heroes right now, Ron DeSantis? So Ron DeSantis has um, not ordered the, the these shots for the children. I don't know if you're following that, but they tried to manipulate the media narrative against him and basically say that he's, you know, failing in that or also he's preventing people from, you know, having the vaccine. So the doctors will still be able to prescribe it, um, but he's he's just not ordering it for Florida, doesn't believe it's safe. I mean, he's boldly come out there and and uh, and I think, you know, really shown strong leadership. I don't know if you saw that, but that was that was amazing. Um, I think you've explained it very clearly. Um, it will be available. It will not be shoved down people's throats by the Florida state government. And so they're not getting in anybody's way, but they're not putting the state's resources behind doing what you know private doctors and medical clinics and, and everybody else can do. Um, you know, I, my hope, the statistics that I, I saw of children in the 6 to 11 age group is that there was only a 33% um, vaccination rate, even with all of the school pressure and, you know, you can't go to school unless you get vaccinated or whatever it might be in various areas. Um, what that means is 67% said no. Now I'm disappointed that 33% said yes, but you got to look at the flip side of that is if only 33% got it, it means that 67% didn't. And, and I'm hoping for more like 10% with, with little children. And I, I just remembered what it was I wanted to say, which was for people in your audience, I would imagine um, if they have children, um, what I would encourage them to do, especially people who uh, re- rely on 
preschool, nursery school, daycare, whatever, you know, if, if it's a working parents and, and they have someone caring for their child, go right now and have a really deep conversation with whoever it is that provides that care. Because if it's a group setting and the other parents are not like-minded and the other parents, you know, get their children uh, yeah. injected, um, not only are your kids going to be surrounded by kids who are going to be better carriers, all right, um, there's going to be a pressure from the parents who got their children injected to yep. make sure that the daycare, nursery care, you know, preschool, whatever, um, has some kind of rule that everybody else, you know, uh, you don't want them segregating. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna so, I'm gonna emphasize that one because that is a great call to action. So, folks, uh, what's being said there is right now, whether it's because it is daycare, schools, uh, you know, preschools, all of you know, all of those group settings that you're taking your kids to, they're going to be being put under pressure, not just from the parents, but from the news and everything else. And and they'll try. I, the government agencies will try to do this as well. So uh, you need to right now start by telling them, no, we're not going to do this. Uh, and as many of the other parents that do that, you've got to combat these fools that are going to be trying to uh, pressure these organizations into committing to this. And, you know, if not, find, you know, find other places to take them. I know we're fast and furious in our community working on alternatives so that we're not subject to these kinds of evil dictates and, and mandates for, you know, these poisonous vaccines you know if you have a, a private um yeah i was i was reading a, a story about princess diana you know the late princess di who you know she she took care of children when she was a you know young woman and and so having private care with somebody that you know and trust you know maybe it will cost you a little bit more money than you know a group setting and there's something to be said for group settings yeah but um you know be prepared make take those you know it's a call to action now um, be yeah. proactive and don't scramble where you have to choose between going to work and, and you know. Yeah, yeah, do it now. Do it now. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, give give your Substack address and, you know, how to contact you again, if you would. Sure. Um, it's just the hard part is spelling my name, uh, James Roguski, J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I dot Substack dot com. And in the top article there's a one sheet um flyer that you can share dig digitally or you can print it out and pass it out um it, it it really should be what doctors hand to patients but you know they're not going to but you can that's for sure and my phone awesome. number is 310-619-3055 um this is complicated and you know if i can provide anybody a service of trying to make it less complicated and and more easy to understand um give me a call well, listen, we appreciate you. Uh, you are so amazing to be doing this work, and we need more guys like you out there. So thank you for joining us again. Thank you very much. All right, take care. All right, folks, um, just uh, you heard that call to action right now. You know, get, uh, get involved early on these things. The other uh, call to action on this is... Um, uh, go ahead and if you would, our, our uh, request for you is to you know, hit that subscribe button on, uh, on our channels. Um, also, go on to the podcast channel, whether it's uh, you know, your iPhone or your Android system, and, and make sure you subscribe to our new Liberty Station podcast. That will really help us out. Um, so appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys listening to the show. And uh, be a threat 
to the Great Reset. Good night.